All right. Well, good to see all of you this morning. Want to welcome everyone, and what an amazing video the team put together there. I don't even know where they got all that footage, but uh, that was so kind. And how many of you know uh, that you have amazing pastors and Aaron and Tammy Cole here at Life Church? Can we show our appreciation for them? Uh, as Pastor Aaron said, I was the very first hire here other than him, and uh, to go on full-time, they had to fire the janitor to bring me on full-time. And so I became the janitor and the, the past youth pastor and the uh, host team pastor and whatever pastor Aaron needed me to be pastor is what I was when we first got here. But I'm just telling you, I'm so thankful uh, that, that Pastor Aaron and Tammy gave me that invitation to come here. I was a young 23-year-old who just graduated from college who really didn't know a lot about anything. And Pastor Aaron and Tammy were just so uh, pivotal in our, <clears throat> in our ministry and helping us get started. And uh, I learned so many valuable lessons from Pastor Aaron and leadership and just really how to lead and to develop people. And man, it's been a, a catalyst for my ministry now for over the last 15 years. And so we're just so grateful for Pastor Aaron and Tammy and all that they've invested into us. And, and uh, I have some, so many fond memories of this place. It's so good to see some of you uh, that I recognize. Many of you are like, who is this guy? Uh, you don't know who I am because the church has grown that much since we left. And uh, it's just been amazing to see all that God has done here. And that's because of so many amazing people like you serving and investing and, and doing uh, God's work here in this kingdom. And so we're so honored to be here. Thanks, Pastor Ryan, for the hospitality this weekend. And uh, we're just so excited about what God is doing here. And I believe that God's given me a message for you today. And I want to just challenge you with this idea of, of winning. And how many of you would say, I want to be a winner? Come on, let me see you. I know it's only the nine o'clock service, but, but you got to wake up, let that caffeine get in your blood a little bit. But, uh, but it, we, we want to win. And I think if all of us uh, were to say, no one really sets out in their life to be a loser. Hey, I want to be a loser when I grow up. No, we want to be winners. We want to be successful. And in fact, uh, if you know anything about me, I am a diehard Buckeye fan. So I'm licking my wounds this morning uh, and had a great illustration planned about winning that just didn't pan out uh, to start. Start today's message. And so uh, obviously Ohio State set out to win and didn't accomplish that feat uh, last night. But, but we want to win. We want to we wanna be successful. And it's a, it's a new year approaching us. I kind of love this, this week between Christmas and New Year uh, because it's really a time of reflection where we kind of think back on the year and, and then a time of kind of refocus as we go, hey, I got a new year and kind of a new year marks kind of a clean slate for us that we can kind of start fresh and start new. And, and begin to pursue maybe some new things or some old things that we should have been doing. Now we're going to start doing. And so there's a time where we kind of refocus. And so I want to ask you, if you were to look back on 2019, if you were to kind of look at this past year and say, did you win? Like, did you, did you accomplish the things you wanted to accomplish? Did you, did you do what you wanted to do? Are you, are you closer to where you want to be in life when it comes to winning? And when it comes to 2020, if, if you want to win in 2020, what are you going to do different to ensure that you win? You see, in the sports world, the scoreboard says it all, doesn't it? 
That's what determines whether you win or lose. And at the end of the game, if you have more points than the other team, you win. In fact, I love kind of like if you're at a game and you're, and you're winning uh, by, by a lot and then the other team does something decent and the home crowd starts to cheer a little bit and they're like, hey, look, we did something good. And then the opposing fans start going, scoreboard, scoreboard, right? It's like, look at the scoreboard. It doesn't matter if you did something good. We're still winning. And the metrics on the scoreboard determine whether or not that team is going to win and lose. But is that the way it really works in life? So if it is, what is the scoreboard of your life? We have to define what winning is to ensure that we win. And in your life, what metrics are you using to define winning or success for you because I think different people can use different metrics to define whether or not they're winning or losing when it comes to life. The scoreboard that you use will determine whether or not you're successful, whether or not you're winning. Our world has a scoreboard. Uh, they have metrics that they use to determine whether or not an individual person is successful and whether they're achieving what, what the world would determine success is. There's personally and professionally. And I have a few thoughts that I put down here that, that'll be in the notes as well. But maybe like the world says, like if you can climb to a certain position, a position of power, a position of authority, if you gain a certain amount of power. So you, you, you climb to a position in your company, you, you reach the pinnacle in your career and in, in, in the field that you're in and, and you kind of reach the top so the world would look at you and say, that's success or, or you gain a certain amount of influence or, or maybe possessions or money that you acquire a certain amount of possessions. So you have position, power and possessions that our world would say, if you, if you achieve good things in those areas, then you're a success, you're winning. You've climbed to a certain position. You have power. You have authority. Maybe it's just that, that you're respected or admired, that people look at you and say, I want to be like them. They see your marriage and go, that's a marriage that I want to have. They see your kids and they go, those are kind of the kids that I want to have. And so we say, hey, that's success. That's winning. So I think you have to ask yourself, if you won in 2019, what scoreboard were you using? What metrics did you use to determine whether or not you were winning? And if we ask ourselves that, then are we winning where it matters most? In your relationship with God, are you winning? When it comes to the kingdom of God, are you really winning in the eyes of God? With your spouse and in your marriage, with your kids and in your friendships and your career and your involvement in, in the kingdom of God and in the local church, are you winning? Because determining if we are using the, the world's scoreboard, we can win and lose at the same time. You could be winning in the eyes of the world, but losing in the eyes of God. You could actually be winning at the wrong thing. In fact, Jesus kind of gives us this idea of, of winning in one area while losing where it matters most. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26. He says, and what would you benefit if you gain the whole world for the sake of today's message? If you are winning according to the world's scoreboard, you're winning. What would, what would you benefit if you win in the eyes of this world Yet you, you lose your very soul. The soul is the only thing eternal that we have. 
so that you would be winning, you would acquire possessions, gain authority and, and, and power and position in the eyes of the world, yet you're losing the things that matter most. He goes, what is more valuable than your soul? What is more valuable than the eternal components of the kingdom of God? Because the only thing that lives beyond this world are people, are souls. So are you winning where it matters most? Jesus says you could win in the eyes of the world and lose in the eyes of God. What a tragedy that would be. That here we get this little blip that James says is a vapor, a mist. You're, you're 80 years, if you're lucky, that you have on this earth. He says it's a vapor, it's a mist, but yet so many of us live focused on the 80 years and get our eyes off of eternity. Throughout the New Testament, we see people where they say, get your eyes off of this world. You died to this world. You died to this world's scoreboard. You died to this world's metrics. It's no longer what you use to determine whether or not you're successful. Get your eyes upward. Get your eyes on the Father. Get your eyes on eternity in heaven. That's the scoreboard you should be using to determine whether or not you're winning in life. Jesus says in his kingdom in Mark 10 31, he says, many who are the greatest now, who are winning in the eyes of the world, will be least important then. Then is when he comes back when he establishes his kingdom, he says, those who won in the eyes of the world, they're not gonna do, mean anything when I establish my kingdom, the eternal kingdom. He says, and those who seem least important now, who in the world's ways are investing and in doing the wrong things and in living for the kingdom of God, he goes, those are the ones who will be greatest in my kingdom. So Jesus used different metrics to define winning and success. And I would summarize Jesus' scoreboard as this. Success in his kingdom, winning in the kingdom of God, is knowing and doing the will of God. It's pretty simplistic this morning. Knowing, understanding what the will of God is for your life, what the will of God is for a Christ follower, for a believer, and then doing that in the areas that matter most in our lives. I have the opportunity to coach church planners. Our pastor Aaron said we planted our church just about six years ago, and God has just blessed our church. There's been favor, and, and in large part, not because of me, but in spite of me sometimes, that God is blessing our church, and we're growing and seeing those things. And I have the opportunity to talk to church planners who are planning churches, and, and they'll begin to define their success on different metrics, whether or not their attendance hits a certain point, or financially where the church is at, and how many people are coming and getting involved. And, and if, they're, if they're not growing the, at the rate that they want, they'll think that they're not being successful and that they're struggling and so I'll always take them back to the very beginning of when they felt called to be a church planner. And I'll say, hey, do you remember when God called you to be a church planner? And they go, absolutely, I remember that day so vividly. I was here and I was praying and I felt like God said he wanted me to plant this church, okay? So do you believe with, with, without a doubt that you're doing what God has asked you to do, that you're being obedient to the things of God? And they say, yeah, I definitely believe that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So if you're being obedient to the things of God, wouldn't you say that if you're obedient to God that that's successful? in the eyes of God, that he wants you to just be obedient to whatever he's called you to do. And if we can redefine success around that idea that success is obedience to the word and the will of God, it seems very simplistic, but oftentimes it's so hard for us to live out in this world and culture that we live in. It's so easy to get our eyes off of those things and onto things that Jesus says just don't really matter at the end of the day. When you get to heaven, God's not gonna ask you how much was in your retirement account. 
He's not going to ask you how big of the house you got and the car you got to drive and what school your kid got into and how successful your kid was in Little League. That was supposed to be kind of funny, but I think the coffee's still settling in a little bit. He's not going to ask you those things. He's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? It's that simple. Were you obedient when it comes to my kingdom? So we all want to win, but, but how do we do that? If, we, if winning is knowing the will of God and being obedient to that, then how do we really know what the will of God is? I think we know general ideas of what God wants us to do. But what about you specifically? What about the calling that you have on your life? So today I want to talk to you about three stages of winning. But before we do that, I'm going to pray that God would wake most of you up. Father, we thank you for this morning that we can be here on this last Sunday of the year. As a Sunday, as we reflect and as we look and as we look backwards, but we also look forward. And so I pray, Father, that today you would open our hearts to receive your word. God, that you would speak directly to the people in this room, that no one is here on accident, that you brought them here on purpose and for a reason. So God, I pray that your word would fall on open hearts and minds today and that we would apply it to our lives so that we can become more like you and accomplish your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Three stages of winning. The first one is discovery. You have to kind of go on a journey. You have to go on a journey of discovery to really figure out what the will of God is. In Jeremiah, the very first chapter, he's kind of discovering who he is and and, and the will of God for his life. And Jeremiah was a prophet. He was an Old Testament prophet who, who God would speak to, and then he would go and speak to the people on behalf of God. And so Jeremiah gets his calling, and the very first chapter in verse four, it says that the word of the Lord came to me saying this, that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This originally wasn't in my notes and yesterday as I was preparing for the Saturday afternoon service and I really felt like God said, I want you to to, to talk about this for a second. And I don't know who this is for today, but I feel like somebody here probably feels like because of your past, because of some things that you've done, you have disqualified yourself from God's plan and his purpose for your life. You've made some mistakes. You've kind of drifted off course. You're not where you need to be. Man, as you're even thinking about the new year and going, man, I'm just, man, I thought at the beginning of 2019 I'd be so much further and and God must just be upset with me and God just must think they're never gonna get there and you've kind of been buying the lie of the enemy that you've disqualified yourself from the things of God and today I want you to know this, that God determined your destiny before you were ever born, according to Jeremiah. It says, before you were even formed in the womb, I saw you, I knew you, and I put a plan in place for your life. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did the same thing for you. So if God put a destiny on your life before you were even born, listen to me, there's nothing you can do to change the God-given destiny that he's put on your life. There's nothing you can do to do that. You can't change it. Think about this, we, we had to drive here from Columbus, Ohio to get here and my wife's family's here and we're here for Christmas and, and uh, I, know, I pretty much know the drive but when you get into Chicago, you know what, even, even a, a wise seasoned road traveler like me has to use GPS every now and then, right? So I pull out my phone and I just wanna make sure I don't miss a turn in Chicago as we go through Chicago and so we, we navigate it. 
But here's what you do in a GPS. You, you program the coordinates of where you want to go, the destiny, the destination of where you're trying to go. You program it in. And unless you change the coordinates, no matter where you turn, no matter where you go, your GPS is going to do everything it can to get you back to the original destiny that you put in, right? The destination. So some of you, there, there maybe was a, a situation that happened in your life that, that happened to you. It wasn't of your own doing. It happened to you. It wasn't your fault. So there was a detour in your life outside of your control that you had to veer off of course of pursuing the destiny that God had for your life. You veered off course. And for whatever reason, you haven't got back. For some of you, you made wrong turns. You, God had called you to go this way. You were disobedient. You turned this way and, and you've wandered off course. But listen to me, detours do not change the destination. It may change the route to get there. It may delay the destiny on your life, but it doesn't change your destiny. And if you listen to the internal GPS that God has put in your heart called the Holy Spirit, when you veer off course and it says, this isn't what I have for you, this isn't the relationship I have for you, you shouldn't go this way, this isn't the path, and you sense that and you ignore it, but as soon as you say yes to that GPS, as soon as you start turning back to the destiny that you have, the GPS recalculates, and if you have a willing and submitted heart before the Lord and say, God, I want to get back to the destiny that you have for my life, He'll say, let's go, make a new turn, get back going in the right direction, and God will lead you back to your destiny. I don't know who that was for, but I hope it was for somebody, because I just preached really hard, and you guys are staring at me kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> Jeremiah says, you, the destiny was given to you beforehand. So I want you to know this. You can get back to where God wants you to be. 2020 can be your best year yet. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's not going to take a while to navigate back, but you can get back on the path for your destiny. Jeremiah 29, 11, it goes on. God's people are in exile, and many of you are probably familiar with this verse. It's one that we use a lot, and it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're good plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, to give you a future. Those are good, good plans. That's a good destiny for your life. It says, when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. How many of you are thankful that God listens to you, that he hears you, that he welcomes you to come in? And he, he goes on, he says this, so if you'll seek me, you will find me. But there's, there's, a, there's a something you got to do, there, that promise has a premise, and that premise is that you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart, with everything that you have. When you seek God with that kind of passion, he says, you're going to find me. And when you find me, you're going to find truth. When you find me, you're going to find life. When you find me, you're going to find the path. You're going to get going where I want you to be. So we have to seek the truth, because how many of you know you'll never find what you're not looking for? And some of you are going, I want to know the will of God, but have you really searched for the will of God? Have you really fasted and prayed to hear from God, to see God? He says, because when you pursue me with that kind of heart, I'll be found by you. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not going to try to do that. I have a kind of this three-pat system that, that I use whenever I leave a place, right? The important things in my life, my keys, my phone, and my wallet. So anytime I get up from a restaurant, I do the three-pat system. Do I have my keys? Do I have my phone? Do I have my wallet? And if any one of those pats comes up empty, I got a problem. There's a problem. I got to find what I'm missing. How many of you have ever lost your phone? Come on. I know you all are addicted to your phone. You're on it right now. You should be listening to me and you're on your phone, right? 
And if you can't find your phone or you, you even like started to go somewhere and you're like, oh my gosh, where's, where's my phone? You'll turn around, you'll go back to your house or, or your purse or your wallet or your, your keys and you will just tear through everything. You'll turn your house, your apartment upside down to find what is valuable to you. Jeremiah says, when you search for God with that kind of passion, when you say, I want to find God and discover his will for my life more than anything else, he says, you'll find him. If you search for him with all of your heart. You go, well, I'm searching, I'm still trying to, to, to figure out. I'd, I'd say, ask yourself a few questions to really figure out what God's will is. What, what are you passionate about? I mean, like what fires you up about the things of God? Like, like what are you, what, when you hear about it, you go, man, I wanna be involved in that. Man, I wanna be a part of something like that. And it, it just fires you up. What breaks your heart? When you hear news and you see something, whether it's kids suffering or family suffering or the injustice done and, and whatever it may be in different parts of the world, but you go, man, whenever I hear that, it just breaks my heart. Those are things, those are indicators of the destiny that God programmed into you while you were being formed, that he hardwired you with some, with some things to say, this is what I'm gonna have you do. And, and if you see those things and hear those things and it's breaking your heart, I would say dive into that a little bit more. Begin to ask God, God, how can you use the giftings and, and the passions that I have in this area to really make a difference for your kingdom? But I'd also say this, that no matter where you're at on the discovery process and in the discovering the will of God for your life, that we all have individual callings that God has for us, but we all kind of have a universal calling too. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he says, listen, every one of my followers will do these two things. This will be the sign that you're my follower. You're gonna love me with everything that you got. You're gonna serve me. You're gonna love me. You're gonna come after me with everything that you have. And then you're gonna love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I don't care what career path you're in. I don't care if you think I hate my job and I went out of my job. I wanna really discover the will of God. Wherever you are, unless you work in total isolation as a hermit, you are surrounded by people. And God can use you in any setting to accomplish his will if you will start viewing people the way Jesus views them. If you'll start loving people the way that you love yourself. So wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, just continue to love God, love people, bloom where you're planted, and allow God to show you what his will is for your life. As long as you're breathing, as long as, I don't care if you're retired, I don't care where you're at to say, God, what do you have for me? So we gotta discover what that is and then discover, uh, as we discover that, then you have to develop it. You gotta develop your giftings. You gotta develop who you are and what God has called you to do. In 1 Peter 4, in verses two through three, he says, you, he's speaking to Christians, he's saying, once you find Christ, you will spend the rest of your life, you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So once you discover what that is, he says, you gotta be anxious. You gotta, you gotta be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough of the past evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, the lust, their feasting, the drunkenness, the wild parties, the terrible worship of idols. He's saying, listen, you, you came out of that life. You know how unfulfilling that is. You know what that life will lead you to do. So you've left that life behind and now you're anxious to develop and to do the will of God for your life. But how many of you know that development takes discipline and dedication? 
It takes discipline. You see, as humans, a lot of times, we like to just go off a of desire. If I have desire to do something, then I'll be disciplined to do it. So we wait for a feeling to come that I love this or I'm passionate about this, that I have a desire to do this. But discipline is actually what leads to desire when it comes to the things of God in our life. Think about this. How many of you, when you first started, if, you, if you're active in, in working out and fitness or maybe health or eating right, how many of you desired to go to the gym when you started working out? I don't know about you. I'm very disciplined in that area now. But I'll tell you what, when I first started doing it, I had no desire to do it. I had zero desire to eat right. Because listen, we don't drift typically to things that are good for us, do we? I don't drift into the gym. I drift into Wendy's. That's what I drift into, right? I drive by Wendy's. I'm not even planning to go. All of a sudden, my car just drifts into there. And I go, you know what? I'm going to get a junior bacon and a cheeseburger. I'm going to get a, a fry and a Frosty. And I'm going to dip my fries into the Frosty because it's delicious. That's where I drift, right? Going to the gym is discipline. It's saying, I know that this helps me, right? And here's what's awesome. As I've developed a discipline when it comes to being active in, in, in health and fitness in my life, it's funny that now I desire it because I understand the rewards of the discipline. I understand how I feel after I do the discipline. Now I begin desire it. It's the same way with the things of God in your life. Desire does not lead to discipline. Discipline leads to desire. So you, you, you listen, there's gonna be Sundays where you don't, feel like coming to church and worshiping God. There's going to be Sundays that you don't feel like serving in the nursery, feel like serving in the parking lot, right? Especially here. Gosh, it's going to be like negative five in a couple weeks and snowing. And some of your volunteers are going to be out there parking cars. No one feels like doing that. I've never, we have amazing volunteers at our church. Not one of them has come up to me and said, I love changing those blowout diapers in the nursery. It's so much fun. <laughs> I love it, it's so good. No, but they do it out of a discipline because it's what God has called them to do. That's why statistics tell us 80% of New Year's resolutions fail within the first 90 days. But people wanna desire it. Well, they don't desire it. It takes discipline in our lives. Don't wait until you feel like developing the gifts that God has for you. Don't wait till you feel like doing things. You know what is right. James says to know what is right and not to do it, he says that's sin. It's discipline that leads us to our destiny in our life. And so we gotta develop our gifts. We gotta develop the talents and giftings that God has put in us and figure out how we can use them for his kingdom. And development leads quickly into deployment. Then you have to deploy him. Peter goes on in verse seven. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. He's saying time is of the essence. It's so important that we have an internal mindset and perspective that, that time is coming to an end, that God is going to come back. Therefore, because time is of the essence, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Be earnest in your pursuit of the things of God. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. He's going back to saying, you don't know what to do. The most important thing that you can do is continue to love people. Continue to be the reflection of God's love to people. He says, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who are in need, those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift. You each have a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now use them well to serve yourself. Nah. 
That's what I wish it would say, right? Build your kingdom, Kyle. Don't worry about all them other people. You just do you. You handle you. You worry about your bank account. You leverage all your resources for you. You worry about your kids. Don't worry about anybody else's kids. You ain't got to serve them. You just got to handle you. That's the ways of our world. That's the metrics of our world. You climb, you do what you need. You climb that corporate ladder. Doesn't matter who you step on to get there because it's all about you. Peter says, no, God's giving you a gift and you can use it for yourself. You can use it. I'm not saying you got to take care of yourself. You got to feed your family. Yes, do that. But he said, use your gift. The kingdom of God, the metrics of God, winning in the things of God is when you use your gift to serve others. No strings attached generosity where you leverage everything God has given you for the sake of his kingdom. That is how you win in the kingdom of God. And so it takes action. We can't just have knowledge. We can't just be hearers of God's word. We have to become doers of God's word. We know, we pursue, and we do the will of God. Too many people get stuck in this discovery and evaluation phase. They're evaluating their life. They're waiting for some sign from God to engage in their calling. And God is saying, you can start your calling right now. You gotta deploy what I've given you. You see, uh, when we take road trips, listen, I, I'm all about enjoying, enjoying the journey and you know, the commercial, like I think it's like an infinity commercial where it says the journey is the destination, right? It's like, just enjoy the journey. And I, I understand that, but not when you're on a road trip, right? When I'm going somewhere, like especially if I'm going somewhere fun like vacation, I'm trying to get from where I'm at to my destination as fast as possible. So because of that, I tell my kids, listen, you will not drink anything in the car on the way there. Yes, you will, we will arrive in Florida, you are gonna be completely dehydrated, but it's okay. We will rehydrate when we get there. Here's a piece of gum, it'll help, you know? Here's a mint, you know what it is? But it's simple science. If you don't drink, we don't have to stop to pee, right? So we can get where we're going faster because time is of the essence. Getting to the destiny, getting to the place of where God is using you. Because listen to me, this is the place of fulfillment in your life. You will be most fulfilled, scripture says, as you pour yourself out for the kingdom of God. That as you pour yourself out, God supernaturally refills you with the power of his spirit. Because that's what you've been created to do. And time is of the essence. We can't waste time when it comes to the things of God. We gotta deploy our gifts. We gotta get involved. And I think God is waiting for his people to rise up, for his people to stand up, to begin to use it, to walk in confidence, to walk in power of the Holy Spirit, to deploy the gifts that he put in you, that he put in you from before you were even born, to be used for his kingdom. And I believe if every person at every campus at Life Church began to do that, if they began to step into their call, begin to step into their purses that God, that, that God could exponentially grow the kingdom of God through this church. That more can be done for missions. That more can be done. And we got to get to this place where we, where we really value that and say that is winning more than anything else. Because here's the reality of what's going to happen in our life. Someday you're going to die. Reality check. I know that's great news for 2020, right? Hopefully it's not in 2020. <laughs> But someday it's going to be over for you. Someday the time is going to run out. And when that clock ends on your life, all of us are going to stand before God. 
Matthew 25, Jesus gives us the parable of the talents. And parables were made up stories by Jesus used to, 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 to drive home a point to prove a truth in the kingdom of God. In every parable, you can find God and you can find yourself. And in this parable, there's a master who has servants and he gives each of his servants different talents, gifts, and says, go invest them, get a return on my investment. And when he comes back, I will, you will give an account for what you did with what I gave you. So two of the servants do really well. One of them does not. The one who didn't do anything with what God gave him, he just buried it. He hid his talent. It said that, that he was banished from the master's presence. And Jesus tells us here, and the main point that he's driving home is that your master in heaven has given each of you a gift. He's given each of you talents and giftings and ability. And each of us have different things. You're not responsible for what God gave you. It, it, you're not responsible for how much God has given you. He's given different things to different people, but everyone is responsible with what they did with what God gave them. You see, in the kingdom of God, the successful person is not the one who's been entrusted with the most resources. That's the ways of the world. Look what they have. Look how much they have. Look, at the, look what they have. It says, no, 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 that's not the kingdom of God. No matter what kind of resource it is, it says the, the successful person is the one who stewards faithfully the resources which God has entrusted them to benefit the master's kingdom. Because here's what we have to realize. Everything that you have is because God has given it to you. Every blessing you have, every gift you have, it's because of the goodness and the grace of God in your life. We all deserve death. But God gave you life through his son. Every blessing you have is for him from him. So then we have to use it for him. And I don't know about you, that humbles me to think that one day I'm going to stand before God, not to give an account, because listen, if you're in Christ, if you've received Christ, you are righteous because of what Christ did for you, not because of what you can do. That's salvation. But there's two judgments. There's judgment of, of your sin, which if you're in Christ has been taken care of, but then there's judgment for what you did with what God gave you that you will give an account to the one who was nailed to a cross for you for what you did with what he gave you. So for me, I wanna stand before God someday and so God go, God, you know I wasn't perfect. You know I fell short as a husband sometimes. You know I fell short as a father, as a pastor. I wasn't always right, I still struggled, I still had my issues. But God, I hope you saw my heart, that my passion was to serve you and to serve your kingdom. And God, I tried to leverage everything you gave me for your kingdom and for your purposes, not just my own. And that someday I'll stand before the one who gave everything for me and say, I know I wasn't perfect, but Jesus, I did my best with what you gave me. And he'll look at me and say, Kyle, you did good, son. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We're all gonna stand before him. And success in the kingdom of God is where you go, God, I will leverage everything you've given me. God, I'll become a tither. I'll begin to give. I'll begin to invest in your kingdom. I know this isn't all for me. I've already have enough blessings. So God, I'm gonna continue to invest in your kingdom. God, the talents and the giftings that you've given me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deploy them here at Life Church. I've been sitting on the sidelines too long. I wanna get in the game. I wanna become part of a winning church because this church is winning. This church is doing amazing things for God. God, I wanna use my gifts. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna grieve. I'm going to help in the cafe, whatever it is. I'm going to deploy my gifts in the local church because the local church is the hope of the world. I'm going to do a, make a difference for the kingdom of God because here's the amazing thing. 
When you invest your best into the kingdom of God, when you invest your best where it matters most, you are guaranteed to win. At the very beginning, everyone in here said, I wanna be a winner. It was very simple. What's the will of God? You gotta discover it. Then you gotta develop those giftings and those talents. You gotta deploy them into his kingdom. They're not just for you. They're for him and they're for his kingdom. And we always gotta remember that one day we will give an account to the one who gave everything for us. Not for what we had, but for what we did with what we had. And I know the heart of most of you in the room is to say, I want my master to look at me and say, well done, you did good. 2020 can be the year that you get disciplined, that you begin to focus on really what matters most, that you begin to use a different scoreboard to determine whether or not you're winning. And if you do, not only will you make a difference for the kingdom of God, Jesus said, this is the pathway to blessing. Those who are most fulfilled in this life are the ones who do the most for the next. So you wanna be happy, you wanna be blessed. He said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Happier is the person whose life has been ordered around giving what God has given them away, not in getting anything in return. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me and just wanna extend an invitation to some of you today and that maybe you're here and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. There's no way that you can pursue his will if you don't have a relationship with him. The Bible says sin separated all of us from God and that God so loved the world that he gave his son and Jesus went to the cross and that cross built a bridge so that you could know your heavenly father. And that if you'd be willing to, to take a step of faith across the bridge and to meet God, that your heavenly father will, will meet you right where you're at today. That he'll forgive you of your past and of your sin and of the mistakes that you've made. And that when you turn towards God, you're gonna to turn towards a father who just has mercy and grace and forgiveness for you. And so today, if you were to say, Kyle, I've been drifted. I've drifted way off course. I'm not following God. I'm not pursuing the things of God. And today I wanna to turn back. I wanna to turn to my heavenly father. I wanna receive his forgiveness and his mercy. I wanna to begin to pursue the things of God for my life. The Bible says, if you will repent, if you will just simply turn back towards him today, that he will forgive you that he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness, that you'll be made new in the sight of God and that you can have a new start in this new year. So today, if that's you and you'd say, Kyle, that's where I'm at. And I need to give my life to Christ. I need to turn back to him and surrender everything to him again. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer of faith as we close out today, but as a sign of surrender to the Lord, that that's where you're at. I think it's significant that you, there's an, action step. There's a step of faith on your part. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, Kyle, would you pray for me? Yeah, I see you, brother. I see you right here. Yeah, I see you over there. I see you all over. Yep, yep, yep. I see you. Yep. I see you. Thank you. You can put it down once you put it up. Anyone else? I see you over here, bro. Lots of you this morning. It's awesome. More importantly, God sees you too. And he loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's not upset with you. He's so happy that you're coming home. 
He's thrilled. He's rejoicing right now. Anyone else to say, I just need that? Amen. Amen. If you believe this, would you pray this with the many who are praying it for the first time today and just repeat these words after me. But everybody who believes this, say, dear Jesus, today I invite you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. You died for me so I can live for you. I surrender all that I am to you and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one returns to Christ. There was numerous people who returned to Christ today. Can we celebrate with heaven what God did this morning? It's awesome.